the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. So it's Pentecost on the church calendar, 50 days after Easter. It's an important time in this Jesus movement as it gains momentum, as more and more begin to believe that, in fact, God has raised Jesus from the dead. Acts reports that at first there's only about 120 or so of these believers. And after this story we read, it begins to tell us how many more came The church exploded, expanding into thousands of those who come to believe. The text tells us the story, then we're given two very different perspectives on what is happening. Same experience, same circumstance, very different interpretations about what is causing this and how this is working out. Peter and the eleven and the others gathered there have received this fresh experience or movement of the Spirit. But rather than the observers understanding that, in verse 13, they're accused, sneered at it, says, others saying they are filled with new wine. In other words, they're drunk, they're out of their minds. That's why they're speaking so crazily as these folks see it. 
So that is the question. Is this a movement of the Holy Spirit? Or is the, are these people moved by new wine? Same experience, same observation, but depending on your perspective or the lens through which you look or the bias which you carry, very different interpretations about what is going on. In fact, this is much of what is happening in the United Methodist denomination. For years we lived together where every local church owned their property and assets and held them in trust for the greater denomination. Then a loophole was established in 2019 through the end of this year that said if churches want to leave the denomination, it could be that they could take their property and assets. Previously, people could leave, even pastors could leave. But the assets, the property, the church building remained with the denomination. We have this idea that holding property and assets in trust is important. We call it a connectional polity. We believe we are stronger together when we stay united, when we stay connected within the body of Christ. But now this loophole, which was offered in an effort to decrease conflict, I don't know that we'll ever know if it really decreased conflict. I know it did not eliminate conflict from our midst. It's hard to know in the midst of so much change how this is going to work out. Some interpret it as the best thing that ever happened to a local church. Oh, they can leave with their property and assets. Others interpret it as, oh, they think it's great now. The grass always looks greener on the other side of the fence, but they'll regret it later. Some think it's better for the denomination as a whole. Others think not so fast. At Boston Avenue, we're staying with the denomination. We're remaining United Methodists. It's not that we don't have disagreements with others in the denomination or even with some of our official policies. We do, but we always have. United Methodists, just because we say we're United Methodists, doesn't mean we have always agreed on everything. We know that we have not. But now some are deciding this is a good time to leave. We have decided to stay. We want to hold on to our long and strong tradition in the mainstream of Methodist life. We want to balance our value of tradition while remaining sensitive and responsive to God's call to do a new thing in our midst. Peter, in our text, is doing the same thing. He's drawing on the tradition, on his scripture And while he does it, he talks about God doing a new thing. We'll pick it up in verse 17 where he's speaking. He's quoting Joel. He says, in the last days it will be God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy or they shall speak for God. Peter, using Joel, is proclaiming that God is going to expand the base of those who can speak authoritatively for the church and for God based on the inspiration 
the Holy Spirit. You will notice that when Peter begins to address the crowd, those who are wondering, is this just new wine? He begins to speak to the men of Judea. But then he quickly expands it to all who live in Jerusalem. Then he gets very specific, quoting Joel, that God's Spirit's going to be poured out on sons and daughters, young and old, and even the slaves, even those whom some would see as less than human. Peter's saying God's going to be working in their lives. God's Spirit's going to be poured out upon their lives as well men and women do you hear how radical this proclamation is about God it was radical 2,000 years ago it's still radical in some places today who will not allow women to respond to a call from God or to speak in church or to be ordained as pastors how long O Lord Peter says God is doing a new thing. It was spoken of in our tradition through our scripture, and now this movement of the Spirit is happening now in and through us. God is expanding God's work through Jesus Christ via the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter makes clear by quoting Joel that it's God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Peter makes it clear here and in other parts of the book of Acts, this is not me, this is not us doing this. This is God at work in us and through us. God declares this. God moves among us. God is offering help and hope and love and expanding the circle. We are merely servants that God is using. Peter wants to make sure people don't think he's somehow special and different from everyone else, that somehow God's working in him in a way that God wouldn't work in you. He says, oh no, this is God's proclamation. God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Peter is saying, all of us can be a witness. Each and every one of us can be a witness. He declares it to the thousands who have gathered, and many of them begin to believe and come together and join Peter and the eleven and those who are gathered there. Now, the promise is not that if you become a witness that you will not be judged or misjudged, that somebody won't assess your behavior as crazy or drunkenness. It doesn't say that your efforts will not be misinterpreted. It doesn't even say that your faithfulness will not be questioned and your good intentions questioned. But Peter says, God is with us. That if we choose to believe and choose to be a witness, that God is with us. And it's God's Holy Spirit that will empower us to live as a believer, to proclaim what God has done in Jesus Christ and what God is doing now in our lives. This is, this is God at work through each and every one of us. Earlier in the book of Acts, it says that the disciples devoted themselves to prayer and worship and study and gathering together to do those things. 
This story today says one of those times when they gathered to devote themselves to prayer and worship and study, when they were together, this fresh movement of the Holy Spirit came upon them. And like tongues of fire, each one of them were touched. They were all fired up, if you will. They were ready to speak for God and to live for Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. In short, they became witnesses. John's gospel pulls together this idea that Jesus has been raised from the dead and gone on before us to prepare a place for us, while simultaneously saying, but God's Spirit, the Advocate, the Comforter, will still be with those of us who remain and will remind us and teach us all that was revealed through Jesus. And if we will receive it, it will bring us the very peace of God. May it be so. Amen.